Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast, a ministry of The Exchange. Today's guest is a wife, mom, registered dietitian, and author of a brand new book called Enjoy Good Health, a faith-based approach to personal wellness. Rebecca Turner is passionate about helping women defeat their disordered eating and be restored to abundant life Jesus offers. You are going to be blessed by this conversation full of hope and grace with registered dietitian Rebecca Turner. Well, I know a lot of people know who you are, but for those that don't, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what you do. So I, um, I'm a registered dietitian by trade, uh, and I have uh, two little girls. I have an eight-year-old, and then I have my precious Oops, who is 14 <laughs> months old, EJ, Neely's our oldest, married for 13 years. Uh, but by day, I guess I don't really am in the world of dietetics. I'm a radio host for Super Talk. Good things with Rebecca Turner. It's a statewide show, although health is a part of it. It's it's not the the focus. Um, and then you may also recognize me too if you watch uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting on the weekends. The show Fit to Eat with Chef Rod Stinson. Uh, I appear on that and help write that as well as for um, Ed Said and the Healthy Eating Puppet. I do a lot with with that. I don't do it on air. I do sort of behind the scenes. So I have a smorgasbord of things that I, I enjoy I enjoy doing, but um, it's all fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You, um, when I was reading your, about the author, um, under your, underneath your book on Amazon, I was like, wow, she just like has a, her hand in a lot of different things, and it sounds like it's a whole lot of fun for you. <laughs> I'm always one step away from a breakdown. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your brain is probably stretched in a lot of different areas. Yeah. But um, How did you get into nutrition? Yeah. So um, thank you for asking that. So I was a marketing major at the University of Southern Miss. I had absolutely no clue that nutrition was even um, a field that you could make a profession out of. And I was that chick who signed up for the nutrition class at 8 a.m. like everybody else who had to. But I was the one on the front row soaking it all in, not take, you know, not taking naps during class because it was just a required course. And uh, the teacher actually introduced me to uh, Dr. Wendy Bounds at, at US, uh, USM, um, introduced me to the fact that there was a profession called dietetics. And from the start, and I still am to this day, I'm fascinated by the idea that we can, to some extent, control our health and wellness by the food choices and beverage choices that we make. And from where I see it, I find that really empowering, right? So it's hard for me to sometimes connect with those that don't see the the magnificence in that or the um, opportunity that, that we're giving and just our choices. Um, and so, yeah, so if ever since then, I've just loved the field of dietetics, nutrition, and how um, it can be, it can be healing in so many different ways. Yeah, um, I think that's one thing. Now, just to let everybody know, Rebecca and I are both di- dietitians. That's how, that's not how we know each other. We actually go a little bit back. Um, she married one of my best friend's brother, brother, and um, one brother. But um, not both of them. Yeah, not both. Of them. <laughs> just, yeah, just one. That would be uh, a story in Mississippi, though. Right. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's how I kind of got to learn more about you. But the, as far as what you're talking about, the magnificence of of our bodies and what they can do with food, 
that just, in my opinion, always showed me how cool our God is <laughs> and how great he is and how he made us. Yes. And I would have to say, though, to be authentic with my story, that didn't come until years later that I made that connection. And when you talk about, when I talk about a lot about now, which I, I consider so much my testimony with food and faith, that got me into dietetics, but that also got me into some of the darker areas of my life because anything that you can start to control for the wrong reasons or control you can lead you down kind of an iffy path. And so in the beginning, like everybody else who may first get their first taste of trying to figure out good nutrition or manipulate foods to get, you know, something that they want out of it, it's fun and it's fleeting or whatever. But for some of us, it starts to become very controlling. Mm. So, you know, while I was still a student at USM, you know, I know the seed was sown for the right reasons for me to be in the field of dietetics. I genuinely love the profession and love the subject. But, I mean, it took a hold, and it became, you know, controlling calories, controlling weight, controlling all of, you know, the things that, that sort of come with that um, really overtook took my life. And so I, I always like to say, though, I never had a clinical eating disorder because I work with with ladies and and people now who who are walking that road and would never want to poke fun or assume that I know what that level of hell feels like. But I was I was knocking on the door. Um, I had clear disordered eating for sure. Um, and my worth and value came from my uh, the size of my britches or how many um you know, if I could be strict or rigid with my calorie intake. And, and what's interesting, too, to that is that we live in a society, which I'm connecting the dots, obviously, much later in my life, where disordered eating is one of the only disorders that is celebrated in mm -hmm. our culture, right? I mean, now there's others, but for the most part, you you start to spiral because you start to get praise for it when mm -hmm. you start to lose weight or if you're really... Um, if you're really able to be disciplined in a certain area and for the right personality types, which was my type, you eat that up and then you fear losing it. Right. And losing it would mean letting go of control or letting go of the, the physique or the figure or the, the, the facade that you have created. You have to keep living up to that. So even in the book, my first book, Mind Over Fork, I shared the story about um, when it really started to hit me that okay, you, you, gotta, you may have an issue here. Um, I was engaged to, to my husband now, 13 years, Dalco Turner, how we know each other. And I was sitting on um, his knee. We were going through some wedding planning. And I genuinely, I get, I get so emotional every time I tell this story, but then I end up laughing. But I genuinely got so nervous because I was going to have to eat cake in front of people. Like, okay, you can laugh. I mean, I know, I mean, because everybody's like, what? And I'm like, right, I can't believe you married me. <laughs> because I was literally in tears. And he was like, babe, what's wrong? I'm like, it just dawned on me, like, I'm going to have to eat cake in front of people. And for so long, I had been so rigid in my rules and, and my restrictions and everything else. I didn't know how to do that. Mm. And especially didn't know how to do that and enjoy the moment. And I think that in my personal story was a huge turning point of you there, we got some, like, you need to take, like, this, this, sh it shouldn't be that way, right? How do you define the term disordered eating? Sure. For someone so who may not know, I don't know if my eating is out of order. So disordered eating or food obsession or anything of that nature is when it is impinging on 
your ability to enjoy everyday life. Like when it is the only thing you think about, search about, read about. And you do not have to have, so like there are stipulations for a clinical eating disorder and those are pretty severe. And But I would say that many of us um, are living on the borderline. And, and so we, we have been trained to have disordered eating thoughts for sure for the last at least couple of decades. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of been funneled into us through marketing, advertising. Uh, a, a trendy term right now is diet culture, which I'll talk about. I have another way of thinking about that later. But, um, but disordered eating is, the, is, is just the compulsive thought systems or needs or feelings around food that take to suck the joy right out of your life whether you're able to actually manifest a healthier lifestyle or not or lose the weight it doesn't matter that is going up and down or yo-yoing on and off the the diet cycle you you read every article that comes out you'll jump on any bandwagon that hits the newsstand you've tried every pill powder um, or potion out there um, I would say all of the above is it would culminate into disordered eating. Could it even be, could disordered eating be an unconscious thing as well for people who are just going 90 miles an hour and don't even think about, oh, I skipped lunch today because they are just going and going and going. You could have some, dis- like, so disordered part comes where your self-talk and your self-perception becomes a nasty place because of how you eat or how you relate to food. Or so if you're going 90 miles an hour and you accidentally skip lunch, but yet you just come home and you eat three slices of pizza and move on with your day, that's fine. But if you're going 90 miles an hour and you miss lunch and then you come home and eat the three slices of pizza and you spend the rest of the night belittling belittling yourself to yourself or go ahead and make a plan for the next day to restrict because you you ate too much the night before, that's disordered. Mm -hmm. So you could definitely have some unhealthy habits around Mm -hmm. food. Um, for sure, uh, but the disordered part comes when it is it is something you compulsively do, not only your thoughts, but then how you try to fix it uh, f- f- or clean it up the next day or whatever. You you almost punish yourself with with food, but then also with restriction from food, and then you self harm with the thoughts about food and body image. That's the disordered part, and it can be and it's a, and it's a it's a scale. Right. Like you can be full blown, like I mentioned, eating disorder, which is has the highest mortality rate of any mental disease. Uh, One person every hour loses their life to um, an eating disorder, whether that's through suicide or anorexia, which actually takes your life all the way down to you genuinely just don't. And you may not have be quote unquote healthy, but what you eat doesn't dictate how you feel about yourself. And so and then there's everybody in between. So there, it's, it's a sliding scale. How big of a problem is this? As you speak to women specifically, how big of an issue is disordered eating when it comes to women? And what percentage would you say actually deal with some form of disordered eating? So huge. And it's on the rise. And it's interesting that uh, women usually say they at least go on a diet twice a year. And there has been research shown that the average woman spends 17 years of their life on a diet, right? Right. 
And there's also research out there that shows that the average woman gains and loses her own body weight up to 25 times in a lifetime, Mm -hmm. meaning it's just that sort of yo-yo and that cycling. But yet only 1% can stick to any sort of formal eating plan for over over a year. So obviously there's some dysfunction or disconnection, you know, in that we're all educated above our level of obedience. So it has to be other things that, that, that play into that. But disordered eating or eating disorders, the fastest growing sector of eating disorders is actually baby boomer women over 50, Um, which is very fascinating to me to think about, but not when you break it down, right? Because if you think right now, if you're listening and you're of the age of 50 or pushing 50 at postmenopause, and then you think about your mother or grandparents, right, back when they were 50, 50 in 2020 don't look nothing like 50 in 1975, <laughs> 1985, or even ni- or even the early 2000s, right? 50 is the new 40, 60 is the new 50. Women today are feeling more empowered than ever, which I think is amazing. They're wanting to travel and do with their grandkids and have a completely different lifestyle. But yet you guys are the subject of maybe the worst diet, diet information on the planet that ever came through in the 80s. The, the fat phobic, uh, you know, years, the aerobics only years. You just weren't taught proper nutrition at all. And so you hit menopause and the only thing you know to do is to continue to take food away from yourself. That's all you know. And so you manifest eating disorder or disordered eating Um, habits and routines out of the sake of not knowing what else to do but you don't want to fall victim to gravity and just what happens with our metabolism as we start to age Um, but yeah the the numbers are scary too for for our young kids in terms of they are the only generation now as we've watched the social dilemma or whatever else that but they are raised into a socially connected world where body comparisons like never before at such an early age with filters and with all these other things. So to answer, I don't know if I answered your question other than yes, it's on the rise and it's, it's, pre- it's way more prevalent. There's so many of you listening who've lived this sort of um, a life of disordered eating and you can't even remember where it's, when it started, you just felt like there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm this whole time and you didn't realize that maybe you weren't the problem that there's something else to play at that so now that we've identified the problem what is your mission as far as what you want to do about it so oh what's my mission (laughs) one is to continue to walk it out for myself right because um uh, to to um i guess to finish my story though to then to go into what Mm -hmm. my mission would be is when I got married, I realized that there were some things that I needed to change. Not because I got married. It was just around that sort of time. And around that time, I, I, I did fix some things. I picked up um, endurance uh, running, which you think, how is marathon training healthy? Mm-hmm. But it was for the first time I respected food as a fuel source versus something that just, you know, had to be done to, you know, just to stick around. Um, I was starting to manipulate food for a different reason, right? I just wanted to run further faster. And that really helped patch a lot of things. But for me and my personal journey, um, getting pregnant the first time with Neely was a game changer. It was the first time in my entire life that I put, I knew I had to let go of my disordered relationship with food and myself and put her first. 
and I even I get a laugh all the time because I um I remember the first time that we went and had Mexican after I got pregnant with Neely. And I used to always be the good dietitian who would order her fajitas and leave her wraps to the side. And, you know, only, you know, all the, all the things that I would tell everybody else to do right. And I was like, nope, I'm pregnant. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this. And again, my poor husband is the witness of my aha moment. And I, I will, I will never forget it. I ate, I put the, the fajita in the wrap and bit into it. And there in the restaurant, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is so good. This is why people have such a hard time saying no to the rap. Again, he stayed married to me. He just looked at me from across the table like, okay, okay yeah, you know. It is good. It is good. It's, they're, yes, eat them, you know. We'll get you some more. <laughs> but it was a very very visceral moment for me of like oh my gosh I have been missing out on so much and for why and why can't it fit in so during after during my pregnancy with Neely and after I wrote the first book sort of mind over fork and I thought that I was doing good and that book really is tools that I still use to this day to sort of help with the mental battle so fast forward seven years and we got pregnant with EJ and um, it was out of the blue. It was definitely a God thing. Wasn't very happy about it at the beginning, but I love her now. Wouldn't send her back. Um, but what it did for me was proved that I, I wasn't fully recovered or I had more growth because I, ha I had gotten into a routine. I was happy with my health and all that. And all of a sudden now my body is someone else's mm -hmm. again. My fitness routine had to change. My eating had to change. My body was no longer myself. And here we go again. And that, at that time, too, um, I had just been growing in my own faith with God. And that was the first time that I really started putting the pieces together, like really not just lip service with it, but looking at it from, from myself and had a lot of revelations and, and, and um, come to Jesus moments, mm -hmm. sort of with what I was saying I connected the dots with versus what were really happening. And it's been kind of an interesting journey since then. So to answer your question, you asked me what was my mission now and sort of would be beg, almost begging women to, to not, not be healthy. I think that's the first thing everybody comes, comes at me with is, are you just a get out of jail free card to be healthy? Of course not. But to look at it more as an invitation, right? So there was a few verses that were really game changers for me in, in this entire experience. And so, well, actually, there's a lot. So the but the first one that really opened my eyes to maybe the struggle with our body image, and it even starts back in Genesis. And when I got this, I, I kind of didn't feel alone anymore because I think wrestling with being content with yourself um, and I won't even more use the word pleased because I think I've come to a point now where I feel like that's a disservice to say that you'll ever be happy with the way that you look but you can be content with the way that you look um, because it's hardwired in us to not be so Genesis, Genesis 3 7 um, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they uh, sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It was like a light bulb went off. Right. Imagine being Eve in the garden for the very first time, realizing she is naked, and now she's terrified of her, of her naked body. Women have disliked their figure since chapter 3 mm -hmm. of the Bible, 
right? And so, wow, like that's a moment to take in. And you, you don't hear anything else about maybe the nakedness or any of that throughout the Bible. But I, of course, I'm not a Bible scholar for sure, but I like to just sort of put myself in her shoes. And I bet it's because she and no other woman ever mentioned it because it's that sort of personal. You think you're the only one, right? Mm-hmm. But there in that moment when she realized she was naked and she was scared and she covered herself from then on, humankind, not just Eve, but Adam and Eve, they've both been uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Being vulnerable and, and being in their own skin. So it's just sort of hardwired that we're never going to be fully satisfied with it. And if you are, you're probably satisfied in, in the wrong reasons. I'll get to that. Um, so the other thing to it, though, was John ten ten, And this is one Gosh, I just know it by heart now because I remember, I still remember the day that it just sort of clicked. And it was John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I thought, I was just wrestling with that. And then it was like, yes, yes, I hope you can see it too. Okay, so a thief comes to steal and kill. And what he's coming to steal and kill is what Jesus came to give you, which is joy and life. And so many times we think that the devil's for the big stuff, right? Like he's for your marriage, he's for your kids, he's for your health in terms of like cancer, he's for obviously, you know, pornography and all the big things and world destruction. And I'm not discrediting one bit of that, right? But he's also in the everyday details. And so any place that he can steal your joy, he's winning. So for so many of us, women particularly, we toss out joy out the window on this health and wellness, I guess, journey or whatever we think that we have to be to to fit into what the world standards are for beauty. And just because you don't post it on social media or you don't say it out loud, if you lay down in the middle at night and you, you berate yourself for the way you ate that day or didn't eat that day, or if you get out of the shower and roll your eyes at your thighs or your whatever it may be, or the moment you see a, a woman walk into the room, the first thing you look at is to body compared to her. Like that is the devil stealing your joy, right? And so it dawned on me like never before that the devil doesn't care about your thighs. He really doesn't give a darn, but he cares because you care, right? Like make that connection. And because you care so much, even if it's in the innermost parts of you, that is an opportunity for him to attack. And so he will. And everybody, as I alluded to earlier, is talking about diet culture. I personally believe one of the biggest accomplishments the devil has ever had in the West is creating the wellness industry or the skinny smoke screen is one tool I use for. But y'all think about it. The women of the West are the most educated. They are the most well-rounded. They're the most qualified as well as have like, you know, things. They're most, they're the most capable, equipped women on the freaking planet but they spend so much of their time and energy staring at a scale or staring at a mirror with with bad thoughts that they never give full look or value to maybe what God actually put them on the earth to do. And if you take every dollar that you ever spent on some stupid fad diet and you actually put it to kingdom work, imagine what kind of 
of impact women of the West could make in the world, right? It's a trillion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, buying a juicer or having a gym membership is all devil's work. No, I'm talking about the countless hours of mental energy, physical energy. And even if you don't want to think about it in terms of, oh, I wouldn't be a worldwide missionary anyway if I didn't have this issue. Think of how much time and energy has been stolen from your your family Mm -hmm. because because you've been in this sort of warped world in your head um, around wellness. And so the other piece to that, though, that is this this main part of my – I guess mission now, if you put it, is the part where Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So just as much as the devil doesn't care about your thighs, because you do, I I am I fully believe that Jesus doesn't care about your thighs either, um, but he cares because you care. And so anything that you care about is now an opportunity to grow to grow in relationship um, with him. And so the other piece to this puzzle that really clicked for me is when I reread one time um, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. I want you to hear it from like a fresh perspective. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was giving me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Y'all, it's an invitation. How many of you have prayed to God to take the fat away? I know you have. Or prayed to God to end your sweet tooth. Or pray to God that this pill powder or patch will be the one that works. Or you prayed to God that, you know, you would be, you, you would just be a good girl and not eat the cake or whatever it may be. But miss the fact that it's an invitation, right? Like it's maybe your struggles with food and body image is the thorn in your flesh. It's a messenger from Satan to say, you can't do this on your own. You were never meant to. And this is the thorn I've given you. So just because Sally over here doesn't have that, she may be wrestling with shopping or you know, uh, who knows what else um, type of issues, thorns that she may have. But this is a thorn that I've given you. And it's taken you 30, 40, 50 years to realize that you need me to make it through the drive through without ordering your favorite greasy goodness. Mm. But it seems so silly, right? It seems so silly that you would partner with God to order apples over French fries, right? But that's what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. all about connecting and glorifying him with your choices and seeking that deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit to be your umpire and asking for help in those moments of weakness instead of asking for forgiveness because you had 12 donuts. It's completely different. It's going into the party with Jesus saying, you know, you know, this is a weakness for me. Help me to navigate whatever eating situation and let me know, you know, or whatever. And then for the flip side, for me, for someone who is full on restriction mode, I still say prayers when it's like time to have the dessert. I'm like, dear Lord, I'm going to enjoy this piece of cake and let the, let my mind be at ease that, you know, I'm not going to wake up 50 pounds heavier in the morning because those were the fears that I sort of wrestled with. And that's the part where I talked about that I had made, I had made, I had accepted the fact 
that I may never be happy with the way that I look, but I can be content. And so because I just guess I've realized that this 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 struggle with food, my body image, I will probably continue to be in recovery of it for the rest of my life, right? Like there is no end point. But now it's this beautiful dance that I have with 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 God and and offering it to other people that I'm not embarrassed that I still struggle with it, right? Like I'm not embarrassed by I am so much better in a better place than I ever was, especially a decade ago, um, but probably even two years ago. Um, but there's still so much more room to gr- grow, but it's because I've let go of the need to fix it myself. I just realized, you know what, it's my thorn, and it's the one area where I can grow so much closer to God. And then he gets the glory, mm-hmm. because if I can go to a party and eat cake and not feel bad about it, like genuinely not beat myself up about it or want to go for a run, he did that, not me. Mm-hmm. I would never could do that on my own. It's amazing when you can kind of begin to identify those weaknesses that you have and do look at it like you're saying with the perspective shift. Like this is an opportunity for the fruit of the spirit to be evident in my life. That peace that comes from I can eat the cake and, and it's yeah. okay. Or that self-control, whatever that is, the joy that you're talking about that the devil is trying to steal. Like it is an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit grow and birth those things through us because we can't do those on our own. That's why they're called the fruit of the spirit inside of us but when we're trying to control it versus being surrendered to the work of the holy spirit in us we can't get to that point i love how you just um, brought this verse there because anything that we view as a a weakness or a struggle it's always 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 an opportunity for the lord to be glorified and for us to learn how to surrender that to the lord and let him use it it could be a bag of chips it can be you know that simple um and i think so when you when that that is my that in and of itself is my mission to scream from from the rooftops because women have never even thought about it that way. Yeah. We all think that um, you know w- we should be praying for different things, right? Like that that and we come with a with we already come to the throne with such guilt over the freaking chips or the whatever we can't do, um, and that and it's like that's not even the issue. Like that's not even what God's worried about. He's just sad that you didn't ask for help before you ate them. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so, or whatever it is you're wrestling with, because again, this gamut is not just a one size fits all. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's very individualized. So what um, advice would you have for women? You've touched on this some, but there's this tension between like the diet culture and the anti-diet culture. Oh, and how do you find the balance and the tension between being healthy and being obsessed? Yes. So, and it is a balance. Because there is a such thing as food righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. Like where your lifestyle immediately makes you better than somebody mm-hmm. else by the way you eat or whatever. And you look at others as lazy or nonchalant. Um, I think that's a personal sort of line to cross. And usually I hold off uh, on sharing 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 because so many people jump to it. You've probably heard it before. Um, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay, so the reason why I don't ever lead with that one, as if I've been doing this forever, but I won't ever lead with that one, is immediately for women, we shut down and think there's so much guilt and shame if we can't keep a holy temple right, right? We already get guilt and shame when we can't sweep our floors enough. 
Um, but where this shine new light for me, the two times that I was the most balanced and well was when I was pregnant because there was something greater for me to give my time and attention to. And when I read this verse now, I think of it that way, like, okay, I'm the vessel for the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not like I'm pregnant with him. That's odd. But, um, <laughs> but it's the same capacity. No, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah, like but it's that. like, you know, it's like it's my responsibility to keep this vessel um, healthy and well. And what that looks like for this vessel or that is is completely different. So I'm not so to get back to your question, the difference between anti-diet culture and then diet culture, I think is muddy. Um, but I think there are some things that we can at least agree on would be that to be in good health would be to at least striving for a lifestyle that either prevents or manages any chronic disease, right? Because you you wouldn't want poor health. There's not one person listening to this podcast. In fact, there's not one person that woke up on the planet this morning that rushed out of bed, went to their scale and said, "Woo, up five pounds. I hope that heart attack comes today. Mm. There's not one person who went through the drive through gets their nuggets and French fries and says, man, I sure hope that I catch diabetes this, this year. It's, it's on the list. I know God's bringing it to me, right? Ooh, I hope I get a cancer report. Right. It even feels odd for me to say it Mm -hmm. like that because nobody does. But yet there's so many lifestyle choices that are playing Russian roulette with that every day. And here's what I would say to your to your question would be, I don't have to tell you the lifestyle choices that God's been sort of wrestling with you or the health reports that maybe you've gotten that's leading you that should be leading you in a different direction to be in better health. So. As a dietitian, again, going back to the fact that I am all at awe at how your eating habits can affect your health. I also know how those can go in, the, in a different direction. I think there's a time and place for structured eating plans, education, getting on, you know, getting on a routine that's got your health in mind. But then you got to be careful when it, if it takes a turn in either sort of either direction where you're anti-diet for the sake of just being like anti-rules and boundaries mm-hmm. because nobody would want to drive on a ru- on, on a roadway that had no rules, right? Like mm-hmm. rules aren't bad. We rule, Rules can be healthy. Um, boundaries can be very healthy. It's just when they get out of control and that's a very individualized thing. Yeah, I always have thought it like the enemy. I mean, wouldn't the enemy just love for someone to completely not care about their health and right. to just let it go. But the enemy would then, could then turn around and take your obsession with eating healthy and being healthy. And take that too. And take that too with your mental health. And I know that sounds really like down, but that's where it comes back to you can't do this without Jesus. Uh-uh. And you have to know, like, and you know, like you you know some things you've been wrestling with, right? Like there's some habits and routines like that late night ice cream or when you're turning to chips or whatever it may be or when you're counting calories more than counting your blessings. Like you are like just be honest I, with just, yourself. Just to be like, honest no. with yourself, right? Like yeah. just just listening to this podcast, you wrestle you're like, oh like I'm that's a toe. Like I got yeah. stepped on, right? <laughs> and and so so for everybody it's kind of different. That's just where and I would say you would know you're in a good barometer when your wellness is a form of worship mm. 
and which I think is uh, something beautiful to think about. Mm-hmm. And you, you're genuinely enjoying, and that's why the, the, the title of the book is Enjoy Good Health, no matter where you are. And first, I, d- I do want to make sure that I, I note, point, pause, underline, circle, highlight, and emphasize. Under no circumstance, if you do find yourself with a chronic disease or struggle like or cancer or anything that's left, you are not being punished. You By eating better does not make you a better Christian. Your salvation is never tied to your grocery list at all, ever, right? So this is just an area and an opportunity for you to 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 grow in that relationship, especially if it's causing you distress, whether it's physically or mentally distressed, then that is just a red flag that this is somewhere to walk with Jesus. And and two, I encourage people to go and ask him to, in prayer, say, show me where I've made food an idol mm-hmm. and then let it come yeah. and then work with it. You recently posted something on your Instagram regarding emotional eating. Can you speak to that for just a minute? Like what, what is emotional eating and how does someone, if they identify that, yes, I'm an emotional eater, how do they even, where do they even start in trying to course correct? So emotional eating is the one thing everybody would say, oh, I do that, right? You had a bad day um, where you allow your feelings to dictate your food choices. Uh, you, you have a rough day at work, so you soothe and comfort with, you know, fried food through the, the window. Or you get to the end of the day and your kids and everybody have just worn you down. Everybody goes to sleep. You go in and enjoy chips and candy or whatever that may be. Or flip side, you had the best day. You just got a promotion. It's your birthday, whatever it may be. You got the call you wanted to hear. You celebrate with, you know, you were allowing those to take you out of out of boundaries. So the emotional part comes with it. Not that there's anything wrong with celebrating with a cupcake or enjoying it. Again, it comes back to that disordered thoughts that come after it. So if you're an emotional eater and you look down and there's a whole stack of Oreos gone, um, because you had a bad day. Now you got two things to feel bad about. You, whatever your boss said to you, and now that you ate, that you ditched your diet and went <laughs> down and ate. So I wish I had a magical wand to give you to stop those type of feelings and emotions. But we are fleshy beings. Mm-hmm. We are beings with a gamut of of feelings. And it goes back to accepting the fact that they're coming. Two Two tools that I really enjoy around emotional eating. The first one being uh, in my own personal life, it's called uh, riding the wave. So, and in fact, the first time I really ever heard this was from my pediatrician when my toddler was going through their very first, her Neely was first toddler going through those tantrums, right? And she explained it to me that at that age, obviously, they don't have the frontal lobe. I'm not going through all the science, but she can't control it like we do, right? And her response to me, which she doesn't realize set the stage for so much more for my life, said, just ride her wave. Don't try to parent in the middle of it. Don't try to, you know, you can't, it's like trying to argue with the drunk person. It's, you know, you just wait till <laughs> right. they sober up, right? So ride that wave. And it clicked with me with your own emotions. So when you are starting to feel all of those emotions come up or the bad day, first you've got to 
know what triggers you, but that's something else. Just allow the, the wave to ride, like ride that wave before making any major decision or food choice. And that can be very helpful. The other one is on particularly hard times. Um, I really repeat the phrase just for today and just for today, you can do a lot of things or just for this one meal or just for this whatever, because when you start thinking about changing ingrained habits, especially around your health, um, it can feel overwhelming going either direction. Mm -hmm. And when you think about too in the Bible, it's beautiful how I love the story with the Israelites and Jesus or God gave them everything they needed for just 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And going back to my first, everything comes out of parenting. I struggled with both kids for supply issues with nursing. And with my first one, I was really down on myself because I didn't have the freezer stash that all the other moms had. And But I was providing for her every day. And I remember in my quiet time, God being like, I'm giving you exactly what she needs each day. Wow. And I'm teaching you to trust that it will be there tomorrow, wow. right? Like yeah. you show up, do your part, pump, whatever, the, your baby's going to be fed. And that translated to me mm -hmm. for so much. And so you can do anything just for today. You can pray your way through just today. And so for those really emotional times, I will say just for today, I can do X, Y, and Z. Ride the wave and then just for today and taking it literally one sort of, you know, step at a time. Um, but the emotional eating part will be a lifelong journey because we are emotional beings and those are your coping mechanisms. Yeah, and what you're saying about ride the wave, it's accept the fact that you have an emotion like yeah. you're having feelings about something because something happened whether good or bad and you know you have we don't talk about our emotions that much I mean it's, women it's becoming, are allowed yeah it's becoming more acceptable to right. like actually have emotions but um to ride the wave I really like that because it's like just face the fact that something's going on you're stressed you're tired you're lonely call it depressed. out for what it like, is yeah what name is it, it? and then Make a decision just for today, what you need to do. And you know through. what, too? Like, and own it. So, like, if you've had a bad day, oh, man, this is a game changer. If you've had a bad day and you come home and you're like, I want a glass of milk and Oreos. Like, I, I want it. I want you to enjoy that glass of milk and Oreos for everything they are. Like, it's not that enjoying those things while having an emotional moment is wrong. Right. It's the beating yourself up mm. for it, you know, after and in the book, Enjoy Good Health, too, I have a whole chapter on Thanksgiving, which it's First Timothy 4, 4, that says, For everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> so when you ask about earlier about the finding of the balance, here's one way I would know you can know you're on track with enjoying good health. When you, when you order that salad, do you sit down and go, if I have to eat another bite of rabbit food, oh, I wish this was just cheeseburger. Why can't they make lettuce taste like cheeseburgers? Or <laughs> roll your eyes every time you're crunching on carrots, right? Like, that's not Thanksgiving. No. Like, that's not accepting what you've chosen to eat with Thanksgiving. No more than owning it if you've had a bad day and Ben and Jerry's is the only thing that you just feel like your body needs and eating it and then for the next 48 hours – you know, self-harming, whether it's through, you know, just thoughts or just mm -hmm. depression because you ate it, mm -hmm. right? Own it if you're going to eat it. Give thanks for, for the fact that it's in the freezer and you ate it, not choked your kids. And then <laughs> be own that choice and move on and with move your on. life. Yeah. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's, if you can, if you, if you can get to that place where you can truly eat with Thanksgiving, no matter what that is, that's a game changer. Like yeah. that, that's when you know you've hit a barometer, 
Um, and when you need to, you know, and, and that's hard. That takes work yeah. for women a lot. It does. And I think a lot of times you, as women, it's let's eat to stuff the emotion and keep it inside. But I think when we can begin to, like you said, own it and name what those emotions are and why am I feeling this way? man, then you really can make pave the way to be like, here's what it, here's what happened. Here's how I feel about it. And now I can make an educational decision. Do I, do I want to eat this ice cream or Oreos and milk or whatever it is? And like you said, give thanks for it. And it's just for today. And tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. So that's where, when the devil wants to come in at night or when you're getting dressed, undressed and start sowing those seeds of, Oh, I shouldn't have. I'm disgusting. I'll always be fat. My thighs are lumpy. That's that's when you need a little holy anger, mm. and separate those thoughts. That's not God. Right. That that's not God. How do you and, take those thoughts captive, just in your own life? Give us um, an example. So I call them out. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's not God. And then then sometimes, literally. So I I've, I've named that voice, Freddie. I, I mean, I think it's because <laughs> I grew. <laughs> there you go. I grew up in that. I mean, I grew up watching those things, yeah. late '80s, early '90s. But he's scary, and he comes in your dream. But um, but no, and it's actually a really good therapeutic thing to sort of and and even in even in eating disorder therapy you are taught to decipher the voices Mm -hmm. as a christian we know who those voices come from so just naming that other one gives it it's not just you so so i will acknowledge what i'm thinking like oh oh i shouldn't have done that and then i'll say nope 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 and then I'll offer something of Thanksgiving or something I'm grateful for. So I'm so I'm so grateful that I was able to have the ice cream in, you know, the freezer or that I could have, you know, this treat. I'm grateful that, you know what, tomorrow's a new day and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to have that or whatever it may be. Or I'm grateful um, that my legs can get me to and from, from places. This is, yeah. and, and, so, and so for me in my own personal journey, um, because... I enjoy exercise more than most or whatever. <laughs> I beat myself up more like if I don't get in the days that I want or mm-hmm. I still struggle with those restrictions, you know, with those things. And I have to let myself off the hook and in, in, in those areas. So you have you mentioned a couple of times we've mentioned your brand new book and I sense a theme and I love the picture on the front of oh. your brand new book. Um, yes. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a pair of feet, uh, women's feet, because the toes are painted on a scale and where the number would be, it says grace. Yes, it does. And it, and it, because you need a lot of grace, not only with yourself, with the process, um, you know, and, and what, with what's there and, I just see so much potential for the women of the West if they could just get off of the wellness train. I mean, think about, I, I truly believe you, you can't be all in for God's um, dream for your life if, if you're always looking down at a scale, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're worth it. Yeah. God didn't put one person on this planet, including you, to do nothing but lose weight. Like yeah. not one, right? I'm not saying weight loss can't be a part of it. I, I, that That's between you and, and your, you know, your journey, which I, we can, that's why it's called a faith-based approach to personal wellness. Mm-hmm. There's not one place in the Bible that says you have to have abs to get in the pearly gates, but there's also nowhere in there that says seeking a firm physique is, is wrong. It all goes back to that mindset, that, mindset, that balance, and what's, what's really controlling you and your motives. And mm-hmm. only you know that. I don't know that. I mean, living in, a, living in a head of disordered eating or eating disorder is really no hell no, that I would wish on nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, so your book, Enjoy Good Health, mine comes in on Saturday. I pre ordered it and I've been waiting on it. So, I'm so pretty you can excited. get it on Amazon now. The yes. ebook, you can get it any minute um, that you want it. I, I do. I, and it's a, it's a part, you're, it's, it's paired with your Bible. It's, it's a good Bible partner. Um, and it, you know, it's an invitation. Yeah. I, it's not a magic wand. I can't promise you that God is the fat loss tool you've been looking for <laughs> because that would be a disservice to you too because yeah. I don't know if you need to lose weight. Maybe right. you think you do, but maybe you don't. And so it's just about having a conversation with God about your health goals, I think would be the best way to say it and figuring that out. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what's, his, what's his idea for you? And how can you live out your purpose for him? Right, with your own wellness journey. Yeah, like you said, it's he needs personal. You, it's personal. Yeah. He needs you. The and no matter where you are on your journey, right? You can enjoy good health with a cancer diagnosis. You can enjoy good health. It's about seizing the day and that opportunity to make the best choices just for today, and and whatever that whatever that looks like. Um, and, and and it will always change. The different stages and phases oh, yeah. of life are going to change too. But God stays the same. Right. So is your second book. A companion to your first book or are they kind of standalone you could pick up either one yes they're standalone but they're great companions right so the first mind over fork would be very much more my personal journey um, as well as um, my food philosophies it's more of a a diet or eating book I wouldn't call it a diet but some would but whatever um, an educational an nutrition yeah book yeah. Uh, this there's very few um, like nutrition education in this book this is much more biblically based um although i will say in the first chapter i had a whole lot of fun of going back over the bible and sharing food rules from beginning to end it's very interesting the background of those so that was that was a lot of fun spoiler alert jesus came we don't have any more food rules (laughs) (laughs) food rules on out the window well that reminded me of a question i had about how so there's so much false information out there surrounding nutrition and wellness and uh so how do women find trustworthy nutrition info? That's, that is that is fair. Um, and I would say uh, start with a registered dietitian. Um, I would also say, too, though, look to the organizations that have health in mind. Your American Heart Association, your American Cancer Society, your uh, even just pediatricians, your American um, family physicians. They all these would be organizations who are not seeking to make money on yep. your decisions. They're all the same. They're what's and and even so all of them are going to have the same foundations in in nutrition information. Um, and what's really cool is no matter whether brain health is your is your main concern, heart health, diabetes, cancer, they may change up the names to fit their specific uh, patient. But all the recommendations are are ninety nine point nine percent the same, yeah. same. Mm-hmm. But connecting with the registered dietitian uh, would be a really cool place to start. I know, I know two at the table. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but but that's a, that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. But usually, you know, the wellness industry has been complicated for the sake of profits. Yeah. It's not that complicated. Yes. You can make it complicated, but it's not mm-hmm. that complicated. I just love the message that you're bringing of just really hope and freedom for so many who've struggled and battled with this stronghold of of disordered eating or even um, eating disorders and um, 
just even affecting their mental health. And so just I love the message that you're bringing and um, even through the, the message of your book, Enjoy Good Health and that message of grace that you're bringing. Where can people follow you and keep up with um, the things that you offer and the things that you teach and how you educate women? The best way would be um, Facebook, Instagram, Rebecca Turner Nutrition. And then if you go to my website, RebeccaTurnerNutrition.com, you can sign up for a newsletter there, but you can get all the books on Amazon. And you have so a podcast as well? Podcast, Rebecca Turner Nutrition. Yeah, it's quiet right now. But there are a few episodes you can go back and, and listen to as well. You can get that wherever you get this podcast, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so we always ask our guests a question. I didn't prompt you on this. Oh, cool. Something new that you're loving right now. I'm so embarrassed. Did I right? Okay. So I have tried so hard to stay away from anything politics on TV, right, or anything yeah. like that. So I've been watching a lot of Martha Knows Best, which is Martha Stewart's new show on HGTV. (laughs) It is so, I don't know, but it's, she lives on this big hundred acres. She's in quarantine. And so it's her going around actually taking care of her own garden. But then she surprises listeners or viewers with FaceTime and answering their gardening questions. I grow nothing. I garden nothing. I was just but about she, to ask you, yeah. what do you grow? But she is so bougie and she <laughs> is just, like her good. she just, you know, she's Martha Stewart yeah. and she is such a little turd. She's, she's so like, you know, just, <laughs> but she owns it, right? Like she go. knows she that does. she's naughty. And um, anyway, her look. So yes, and it's something new that you're loving. It's something new that I'm enjoying. (laughs) It takes my mind off of everything. It's family friendly, and it's Um, not politics. So anything that's not politics these days. No, I can't believe I shared that. But I am. I'm actually really enjoying. Nice. And Martha knows best. She doesn't. She does. (laughs) It's it's fun. It's it's something fun and mind numbing for sure. Oh, that's good. Sometimes we just need that. Yeah, you just need that little bit of an indulgence. Yeah, for sure. I have been so blessed by what you've shared today, and I know many of our a lot of women have too so thank you for what you're doing and um we just pray that god will continue to to expand your message and get that out and that women will be set free through the power of god's word my last word would be uh do not be afraid to seek professional help if Mm. these thoughts and feelings of worthiness worthlessness really are a cloud for you because there are so many women suffering with depression that's linked to body image issues, and they just think that it's because they can't diet right that they're having these problems, and it can be a much bigger. And so, so much deeper. Women's, yeah. ch- you know, reach out to your women's ministry or a, a good faith-based counselor. Those type of issues are not for a registered dietitian, a personal trainer, or a health coach. They can't fix that for you, and so do not be ashamed to really get help in this area because yeah, it can preach. be it can be yeah yeah because you could move from food to something else to something without else. getting to the root mm-hmm. of it Absolutely. that's a great word Rebecca you've been pivotal in my own personal life with uh, nutrition and health and also my career life as well so thank you Aww. just thank you for what you do I, I super appreciate it and I, I appreciate, look up to you. I appreciate and I know the I've talked to you that before well it's it's Jesus <laughs> all Jesus yeah yes. he's working through this you. has been a blessing so thank you thank you ladies for inviting Love me Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Rebecca's latest book, Enjoy Good Health, is available now on Amazon. Grab your copy today and consider buying one as a gift for a friend this Christmas. Check out today's show notes for ways to connect with Rebecca. The 517 Life Podcast Season 1 has come to a close with this episode. We're going to take a break for the holidays, and we'll be back with Season 2 in January. Share and subscribe so you don't miss a minute of life.